Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. Amen. Good morning. Good. It's good to see everyone. I know that it's nasty outside, but it's nice and warm and dry on the inside, so glad that you are here. Appreciate everyone joining us online this morning, as well as those who might be listening by podcast at some point along the way. We are grateful that you have joined us to hear the Word of God today. We're going to be in Exodus 11 and 12, but before we get started, I do want to remind you that the next two weekends are going to be kind of a big deal, going to be great opportunities for you to invite your friends. We've got a lot of different things going on, so make sure to grab a bulletin, keep with you so you can keep up with it. But the next two Sundays, we're going to be in combined service here in the gym, uh, both for Christmas Eve and for New Year's Eve. Uh, there'll be no organized Sunday school as far as for children and youth ages, but any adult class that wants to meet can certainly uh, meet for Sunday school if you'd like. But uh, otherwise, we'll just be having our 1030 service combined here in the gym. Now, next week on Christmas Eve, we're going to be talking about in the morning the stepdad of Christmas, Okay been a message I've been working on for several months because, you know, I, I don't, I can't go where Mary went, you know, but I can go where Joseph went, all right? So we're going to be talking about that a little bit. It's going to be interesting. Um, and then next Sunday night will be our Christmas Eve service. It'll be in the sanctuary, and it'll be an hour earlier than we normally do things. We normally do things at 6 o'clock. It'll be at 5 o'clock. So if you show up at 6, you can collect the candles that were just blown out, okay? Be at 5 o'clock. That's so our kiddos can get home a little bit earlier on Christmas Eve, all right? And then on New Year's Eve, we'll be in a combined service. It's going to be special, too, because we're having three testimonies by church members about what brought them here to Eastern Heights, what has kept them at Eastern Heights, and what they're looking forward to in the future of Eastern Heights in 2024. And that's going to be a great service on New Year's Eve morning combined here at 1030. Well, Today we're going to wrap up the series about walking out of the wilderness as we have been looking and learning a whole lot, at least I have, out of this book of Exodus about how the fact that God delights in delivering people from whatever wilderness they might find themselves in. And today we're talking about the wilderness of judgment, right? No one likes to be judged, right? I don't know of anyone that enjoys going to a court date, no matter what it might be for, right? We don't like being judged. And so today we're going to talk about that a little bit from the Bible's perspective. Now, we all have moments in life, right, that we don't want to forget. We, we want to remember those things. And matter of fact, there are some things that we just want to continue to celebrate over and over again. We just came, came out of one called Thanksgiving, right, where we want to be with family and friends and football and all that stuff. We enjoy that time together. We're heading next week into that Christmas holiday season that we look forward to and celebrate every year. And then coming right on the heels of that, before we turn around, it's going to be Easter, right? And right around Easter time, just before Easter, there is a celebration called the Passover that Jewish people all over the world still celebrate even to this day. And at this meal, they intentionally take the time to remember and celebrate the moment that happened a thousand year, thousands of years ago when God delivered the uh, Israelites out of Egyptian bondage. Right? That's what they get together to celebrate. And it's that night when the children of Israel walked out of their wilderness and they were headed toward the promised land. And it was a sign that God wants people to live 
in freedom. He wants to deliver us from whatever wilderness we find ourselves in. And on that night, it was one of the greatest nights ever. And it was also one of the most horrible nights ever. And it pointed to a future event that would be one of the greatest and also one of the worst as well. And in, in this incredible story of the, of the judgment of the plagues that God dispensed on Pharaoh, it might raise a lot of questions in our human finite minds like we addressed last week with injustice. And several of you said, man, that made me think a lot. What well, made me think a lot too. And there's just a lot of things I, I don't think we'll ever completely understand. But it did leave no doubt for the question Pharaoh had been asking about who is this Lord that you're talking about. And so we've been saying throughout this series that God wants his people to live in freedom. But as his creation, see, we've got a problem. We're born into the bondage of sin, just like the Israelites found themselves in bondage. We have been born into the bondage of sin. We've been judged as guilty the very moment we take our first breath. And so God became flesh and was born a baby to come and live among us, to die on a cross, to be raised again, to deliver us from the bondage of sin and that label that we come into this world with called guilty. You're guilty. You're a sinner. You're not a sinner because you do bad things. You're, you do bad things because you were born a sinner. We need to understand that. We've already been judged guilty. And up to this point in the story... God has been saying to Pharaoh, with judgment after judgment, let my people go. And he's given him nine opportunities to come up with the right answer. But this last judgment that God is going to deliver is going to leave no room for debate. Look with me in Exodus 11, beginning in verse 1, then we're going to skip to verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will strike Pharaoh in the land of Egypt with one more blow. After that, Pharaoh will let you leave this country. In fact, he will be so eager to get rid of you that he will force you all to leave. In verse 4, Moses had announced to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, at midnight tonight I will pass through the heart of Egypt. All the firstborn sons will die in every family in Egypt, from the oldest son of Pharaoh who sits on his throne to the oldest son of his lowliest servant girl who grinds the flour. Even the firstborn of all the livestock will die. Then a loud wail will rise throughout the land of Egypt, a wail like no one has heard before or will ever hear again. See, the judgment God would send this time would be a different one. In the first nine plagues, the people of Israel did nothing. They had to do nothing. They simply watched God's judgment as it was dealt out. But in his tenth plague, they're asked to engage. Specifically, Moses says to the people, he said, I want you to go among your flock, and I want you to find a lamb, and not just any lamb, I want you to find a lamb that has no noticeable blemish to it. And when you find that lamb, I want you to take it and kill it, and I want you to take the blood from that lamb, and I want you to paint that blood over the doorpost of every family member's house throughout the land. And then in chapter 12, verse 12, we pick up the rest of the story. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you are staying, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is a day to remember. Each year from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. So it was God himself who says, I don't want you to ever forget this event on this night. 
And then verse 24, remember these instructions are a permanent law that you and your descendants must observe forever. When you enter the land the Lord has promised to give you, you will continue to observe this ceremony. Then your children will ask, what does this ceremony mean? And you will reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. For he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt. And though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. When Moses had finished speaking, all the people bowed down to the ground and worshipped. So the people of Israel did just as the Lord had commanded through Moses and Aaron. And that night at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn sons in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn son of the prisoner in the dungeon. Even the firstborn of their livestock were killed. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the people of Egypt woke up during the night. And loud wailing was heard throughout the land of Egypt. There was not a single house where someone had not died. And I want you to remember this, this story is a foreshadowing of a bigger story. And there's two huge takeaways from what we have just read today. And the first one is simply this. God's judgment is coming. Just as it came that night, God's judgment is coming once again. And see, the Bible doesn't endorse or affirm, you know, the, the historical view that most religions do. Most religions, they, they look at history as cyclical. You know, that, you, that life is just this one big circle. And you jump in that circle somewhere and then whatever happens, happens. Now, the Bible teaches much different. The Bible teaches that history is linear, that it has a deliberate and purposeful end to it, and there is an appointed end. And so that makes us ask, well, what is history pointing to, and what end is coming for us at the end of history? And Hebrews 9, 27 answers that question. It says, and just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. And I need to remember this with every sermon I preach that I'm preaching to people who are going to die. You're going to die. Now, doesn't that bless your heart on a rainy day? Who you are, you're going to die. And then after that, you're going to face judgment. Paul said to young Timothy, who was trying to learn how to pastor as a young man, he said in 2 Timothy 4, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Before that, preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. Whether it's raining or not. Be prepared. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. And so I come under great conviction every time I read that verse that I have a responsibility for, before God to prepare you for that day. And maybe that's why... I didn't go into the lead pastor role for a long, long time. That weighs heavy on me. The fact that God is going to judge the living and the dead and for you to be prepared for that. Have I prepared you to know that and to be fully ready? You see, nobody in the Bible talks more about judgment than Jesus did. In all of his parables, he's talking about judgment and he's talking about there's going to be a great separation one day. The bad fish from the good fish. You know, the tares from the wheat. The sheep from the goats. There's going to be a great separation one day because the Lord is a Lord of justice. And on that day, no one will get away with anything. All sin will be judged. Every single sin will be judged on that day. God will deliver judgment. It's coming. We know that. But here's the second thing where we're going to spend the most of our time this morning. And that is God will provide a way to be free from his judgment. 
Judgment's coming, but we have a way to be free. You know, I think it's very important that we know today and that we take note that the same judgment that fell on Israel that day was the same judgment that would have fallen on the Israelite houses had they not listened and obeyed Moses and Aaron's word to them from the Lord. It would have been the same for them because God's judgment is not biased. It's impartial, right? God doesn't play favorites. Every single person here under my voice today and listening today, we are under the power and the control of sin, and no person can free yourself from that. We need help. And so God has made it possible for anyone to walk out of whatever wilderness you might find yourself in today, and it's through the Lamb of God. That is the way out of your wilderness. It's the perfect Lamb of God. And so now maybe we understand from a historical point just a little bit better what's going on when Jesus first started his ministry. Remember, John was down there preaching, and he was just going at it, and all of a sudden, Jesus starts walking toward him. And what did John say in John chapter 1? He said, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And you know, we read that in John and we just, we just blow right on by that. But think of the meaning because for thousands of years, once every year, people have been gathering around the table, this Passover meal, talking about how that the Lamb of God and the sacrifice of the blood is what saved them. And now he says, behold, here comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I mean, that statement was huge, folks. Because see, this Exodus story, it is just helping us to understand a bigger story that once again God is in conflict with an evil ruler who's holding people like you and I captive to our sins and we cannot in our own power break free from that. We have to have the blood of Jesus. So everything that we've been studying up to this point and all these different deliverances that we've seen is all pointing to the great deliverer. And it's not you. It's not your job. It's not your bank account. It's none of those things. It's not your habits. It's not your hang-ups. It's not your hangovers. It's not any of those things. It's the Lamb of Jesus. John chapter 5, verse 24. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins or judged for their sins, but they have already passed from death unto life. If you know Jesus, you're already in great shape. You won't face that kind of judgment. You won't be judged for your sins. Just a few verses later, I'll tell you more about that in a second. Verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. You're sitting around reading your Bible all the time trying to find the answer. But the scriptures point to me. I am the answer, Jesus said. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. What scriptures are they talking about? They're talking about the Old Testament. They're over there reading the story about the Exodus, trying to find how that they can get set free from the wilderness of sin that they're in. And Jesus is going, that story is about me. I am the spotless Lamb of God. And so the God who will deliver judgment has provided a way to be set free from judgment, and it is the perfect spotless Lamb of God. So what does that mean? Let's go just a little bit deeper. First of all, it's a way that is under the blood. God said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. When I see the blood. So notice that night, the issue wasn't about race. God didn't say, when I see an Israelite, I'll pass over. It wasn't about that. The issue wasn't position. The issue wasn't ancestry. It wasn't morals. It wasn't about when I see a good person. It had nothing to do with that. The issue that night was the blood, and it still is today, folks. 1 Peter 1, 
For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. See right there again, we are born into an empty life that is filled with sin. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And then over Romans 3, 23, we all know that verse. For everyone is sin and all fall short of the glory of God. That's the bad news. But the good news is next. Don't ever leave that part out. Verse 24, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. I mean, it can't get any more simpler. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair. Remember injustice last week? God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. See, we're born into sin. We're born a sinner, and our judgment is guilty, and we should die because of that. But yet, we won't be facing that kind of punishment. Now, speaking of the past, back when I was in high school, I took a class that ended up being the smartest thing that I ever did, and, and I only took it because Sharon Mitchell was in it, okay? And, uh, and so that was pre-Amanda. But anyway, Sharon Mitchell was in typing class. And so I took a typing class. And those of you that are under the age of 40, y'all won't know what I'm fixing to talk about, but I, I took a typing class on a machine called a typewriter, all right? It was this metal thing. All right, And when you pushed a button, a lever would come up that had a raised letter or number on it, and it would strike through an ink ribbon. Some of you, you're having flashbacks right now, right? And it'd go through that ink ribbon, and it'd make an indention, indention on the piece of paper, right? And that's the way it worked. Now, if you've never seen one, I have an upgraded version. It's called an electric one. All right, I mean, that's upscale, right? Uh, I have it in my office at home. It's an IBM electric one. You know, it had that round ball on it, and you could... Oh, man, that was the good times. But back before that, on the old typewriters, remember what we had to do? Because I, I made a lot of mistakes learning. Remember what we had to do when you made a mistake? Oh, no. Four wide out, there was even that eraser thing. Remember we had those big erasers? You tried to get it out of there? Couldn't get it, so they invented wide out. Liquid paper, that's right. We had that substance in that little bottle. We'd get out, had the brush on it, and uh, that was for the tape and all that other stuff they came up with. But we would get that out, and we'd take our mistake. We'd just paint a little wide over it, you know. And then, and most of the time, you know, you couldn't do it inside the typewriter. You had to take the paper out to do it. And then you'd blow on it and try to get it all dry because you're in a hurry and you're trying to get it back in there. You had to get it lined up just right, and then you'd start that process all over again. And I don't care how hard you tried to fix that mistake. If you take that paper out and you hold it up and look at it, you can still see where the whiteout was. You can see where that, made, uh, that mistake was made, and so could everybody else. Well, now, these days, all young people do, they just hit this thing called delete, and poof, it's gone. Right? None of that stuff I just described. It's just gone. And I think that's what a lot of people are fearing on the Day of Judgment. They think it's going to be kind of like the liquid paper situation where their mistakes are going to be covered up, but you can still see them somehow. But folks, you need to understand that when you stand before God, covered in the blood of Jesus, it's delete. And if you don't hear anything else today, know this. When you stand before God and you're covered in the blood, there is simply no record whatsoever that you ever made a mistake. Amen to that is right, brother. Do you understand the freedom that I just told you? 
that you stand before God and he sees the blood of Jesus and therefore he doesn't see one single mistake you've ever made in your life, ever. That's freedom, yes. Yes. There's power in the blood of Jesus, folks. But did you notice, just like in the 10th plague, you have to apply the blood. You have to believe by faith that what Moses and Aaron was telling them was going to happen and they did what they did and so we today, we hear that the blood of Jesus is what sets us free. And by faith, we believe that and we apply it to our life. And so how do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked because I want to tell you. And if you'd asked any other Christian back in the early days, they would have said, well, it, it, I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian and I apply the blood by being baptized. That's the way you apply the blood. You get baptized. Not because water washes away sin, because it doesn't. Right, But what they would have said is, well, when you're baptized, Romans 6 says that you come into union with the death of Christ in his shed blood. And they said, I get baptized because Galatians 3 says that we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And they would say, I get baptized because of Colossians 2, that when I'm baptized, I'm expressing my faith in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let me be clear again that water does not wash away one single sin. It doesn't. It's just states water, tap water. All right? It doesn't wash away anything. But what you're doing when you're being baptized is you're publicly declaring before God and everybody, hey, I am placing my faith and trust totally, totally in the blood of Jesus who washes away my sin. Nothing but the blood. And that's what you're saying when you're baptized. So if you've never done that, you need to call the office this week and you need to set up a time to get baptized. You need to talk to your children about that. Talk to your grandchildren about that. It's important, folks, to take that stand and to publicly declare that the blood of Jesus has washed away your sin. There's a second thing that we understand about this way. It's a way that is open to all. Did you notice that when the Hebrews left Egypt that not everyone in the crowd were Hebrews? Exodus 12, verse 37, that night the people of Israel left Ramesses and started for Succoth. There were about 600,000 men plus all the women and children. That's a bunch. A rabble of non-Israelites went with them along with great flocks and herd of livestock. Now, I looked this up in several versions. Some versions say other people besides the Israelites. Some say a mixed you know, multitude. My version, I like to use the New Living Translation, says a rabble of non-Israelites. And I got to tell you, I don't use that word rabble a lot, so I had to Google it and uh, see exactly what that was. And rabble is a mob or a horde or a pack of people. This, this was a bunch, of non, a bunch of misfits that were with this group of non-Israelites, right? It was just a bunch of people that weren't Hebrews, and, and so they couldn't, be, you know, they couldn't fit in. So they just were, And it, it just told me that Jesus is all about the uns in the world, the U-N apostrophe S. He's all about the unloved the unlikable, the unnoticed, the whatever you might say. John 3.16, we all know that verse, right? It says that, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus told the woman at the well, If you drink of this water that I'll give you, you'll never thirst again. He told the crowd in Matthew 6, he says, you know what? He, he who comes to me, I'll never drive them away. He told Martha when her brother died, he that believes in me will never experience death. This is an open to all kind of way that Jesus is providing for us. It's not about your race. 
your ancestry, your morals. It's whoever will come under the blood. You know, at some point in your life, you've probably felt less than. If not, there will be a day when you will. You know what I'm talking about? Because, see, this, this world does not operate on the whoever principle. It operates on the appearance and performance principle. The world operates on whoever's the prettiest, whoever's the best looking, whoever has the best body type, whoever has done the most, or whoever uh, has the most. That's the way the world operates. The kingdom of God doesn't operate on that principle. That's what I'm talking about when I say Jesus came for the uns. That's the principle that God operates on. He wants the unwanted. Now, I'm not denying that the message of the gospel is exclusive. It is very exclusive. Don't let anybody ever tell you different. Peter said there's only one name under heaven by which a person can be saved. Right? John said that he who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son does not have life. And then Paul said, there's only one mediator between God and man, and it is the Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the message of the first church was very exclusive. Jesus was the way. And here's the thing, that's not what they were criticized for. They were criticized for being too inclusive. Because you know what the first church did? They accepted anyone who accepted Jesus. Again, it didn't matter what their race was or whatever their gender was or their past or their own personal wilderness that they found themselves in. The early church accepted all who would come under the blood. In the first century, people, they just couldn't understand what brought all these people that were so different together all the time. And they would see them together, worshiping. And what they didn't know was that these people who were so different in every kind of way in life, they had one thing in common, and it was the blood of Jesus who had brought them all together to that place where they studied and learned about and worshiped the Lamb of God. And you know, every church today ought to be that kind of witness to the world, that it is Jesus that brings us together. It's not people. It's not programs. You know, there's nothing wrong with those things. That Those things are good. But what brings us together on a nasty, cold, rainy day is the fact that we're all brought together and united under the cross, folks. It's the blood of Jesus who sets us free and brings us together, and that is our common faith. But see, not everyone's going to escape judgment, but everyone can. Because the way that God's made for us to be delivered is a way, number three, that is only by God. And we're finishing up here. Exodus 6, verse 6, Therefore say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from the slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. Did you notice how many times God said, I am going to set you free? See, the Hebrew people who left Egypt that night did not leave boastfully, but they did leave joyfully. Because walking out of any kind of wilderness is an act of God, folks. And Israel didn't walk out that night because Pharaoh had a sudden act of kindness come over him. All right? He didn't have this spirit of compassion that just overwhelmed him to let the people go. And you know what? The people of Israel didn't walk out of their wilderness that night because Moses suddenly found the skill of the art of diplomacy. That's not what happened. They walked out that night into freedom because of the gracious hand of God, folks. And so did we. 
Paul made it clear in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. God did give us a great, great gift on that night of the first Christmas. But you know, baby Jesus had to become King Jesus. And he had to live among us. The Lamb of God had to be put on the cross so that his blood could be shed. And he became the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. And just like they gratefully received the message to put that blood on the doorpost, we have to, with gratitude and humility, receive the message of God today that we can walk out of our wilderness through the blood of Jesus. Paul said in Galatians 6, 14, As for me, may I never boast about anything except for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so my perfect obedience my perfect theology, whatever that might be, and my perfect whatever you want to fill the blank in with, that's not ever going to walk me out of any kind of wilderness that I might find myself in. But what will is the fact that I'm clothed in the righteousness of the Lamb of God. Amen? But listen, folks, don't miss this. The Lamb did not come just so that you could walk out of Egypt. Do you get that? Don't reduce the beauty of Christianity down to just a get-out-of-hell-free card. It's much more than that, folks. God walked these people out of the wilderness so that they could walk into the promised land. God doesn't just set you free so that you won't find yourself where you were that was so bad. God walks you out of the wilderness so that you can be with him. And so that brings us to our takeaway. God will provide a way to walk in freedom from judgment so that we get to spend eternity walking in his presence. Do you remember what? He said to Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go, and when they come out, I want them to come to the mountain and gather so that they can worship me. And so these last number of weeks, we've talked about the different kinds of wildernesses that we can walk out of, pride and fear and injustice and disappointment and inadequacy, and today, even judgment. But you need to understand why God want you to walk in freedom, folks. That's what we've been saying the whole time. God wants you to walk in freedom, and it's so that you can pursue an intimate relationship with Him, and you can't do that in the bondage of sin. You just can't do it. You have to be free. And God wasn't ultimately bringing them out of Egypt and into Canaan. He was ultimately bringing them out of Egypt and into His presence. And that's why God has set you free. It's, just, it's not so you, you just miss hell. It's so that you can have an intimate relationship right now with him on this earth. See, our, our hope is not a place, folks. It's a person, and his name is Jesus. You know, Jesus came the first time not to judge but to save. But he is coming again, and this time is for judgment. And there will be an ultimate exodus that will take place. And my challenge to you today as your pastor is for you to be fully prepared and fully ready when that day comes. And if you're not, I pray that you'll do so today. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Those of you watching online, if you've never accepted Christ, any of you in this room watching online, listening to the podcast, I pray that today is the day that you accept the precious blood of Jesus over your life. It's the only thing that can wash away your sin. And the great news about it is it's better than tide and bleach. It will wash away every single sin, no matter how bad your sin might be. It'll wash away anything and everything, but you have to receive it by faith. And I pray that you would do that even today. Father, I pray for those who need to put their faith in Christ. 
Today we publicly declare that your blood cleanses us of every sin. And I pray that there'll be that person who says, I want to be a follower of Jesus. And those, I pray that we'll never let us lose the wonder and the joy of our salvation that know Jesus. May we live in such a way that it's clear to all who watch our lives that we believe in the return of Jesus. And we believe that he's going to judge the living and the dead. And with all of our hearts, we believe that because we're under the blood, that that is a day that we can anticipate with great joy. And so we pray, come now quickly, Lord Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. If you pray to receive Christ today, I'd love to hear about it. I'll be standing over here by the doors. You exit out, please share that with me. If you're online today or listening by podcast, call the office, call me up, let me know. I'd love to hear about that. Now, the next two weekends are going to be very exciting time. It's going to be a lot of opportunities to invite your friends, neighbors, and co-workers and other people to come and be a part of what's going on. And so I pray that you'll do that. We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.